good morning. If you have your Bibles, if you would go to Daniel chapter number 2. Daniel chapter number 2. All the children are dismissed. The children's church and Sister Heather over there. We just began a new series a week or so ago from the book of Daniel. And we want to continue preaching about this mighty character of faith. The sermon series has a title. It's called The Responsibility and the Reward of an Excellent Spirit. The Responsibility and the Reward of an Excellent Spirit. Because the Bible says not once but twice that Daniel had an excellent or an extraordinary spirit. And we uh, want to follow his example. So if you would, Daniel, the second chapter, beginning with verse number one, the Bible says, In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled, and he could not sleep. So the king summoned the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, the astrologers, to tell him what he had dreamed. And when they came in, they stood before the king and said, King, The king said, I've had a dream that troubles me, and I want to know what it means. The astrologers answered the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants to dream, and we'll interpret it. But the king replied to the astrologers, This is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. But if you tell me the dream and explain it, You'll receive from me gifts, rewards, and great honor. So tell me the dream and interpret it for me. Now, after some excuses and some stalling, the imposters finally said, no one can do this but the gods. And so verse 12, we jump to verse 12. So this made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. And so the decree was issued to put the wise men to death and Men were sent to, the, to look for Daniel and his friends and put them to death. And when Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. He asked the king's officers, why did the king issue such a hard decree? And Arioch then explained this matter to Daniel. And at this, Daniel went into the king and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. Verse 17, then Daniel returned to his house. Explain the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. Verse 18, he urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel, and then Daniel praised the God of heaven. As we said, the title for the overall series is the responsibility and the reward of an excellent spirit. And we're looking at Daniel, who God has so honored in his word, and we're looking at the characteristics that made up this man of God. What are the things that we need to imitate? What are the things that we need to develop to have that excellent spirit in our lives? And we started out in chapter number one, and we spoke about Daniel's integrity. Daniel was a man of integrity, and the title was A Willingness to Choose Right When the Environment is All Wrong. And we saw that Daniel was able to stand firm and purpose in his heart not to defile himself. And those that want to imitate the life of Daniel must be men and women who choose to stand in a fallen world but not fall with the rest of the world. 
to make up their mind and purpose in their heart. They will not defile themselves, but they will live pure. They will live holy. They will live with integrity and honesty in this world, though they're not of this world. Can you say amen? And now this morning, chapter 2, we see the characteristic that Daniel had a grateful spirit. As we get in, and this is just part one, it'll take us two weeks to cover this chapter, but Daniel was always quick to give glory and praise to God. Throughout the life of Daniel, you'll see God using him in mighty ways, but he never took the glory, he never took the credit, he never forgot that it was not him, but it was the God in heaven that was so good and powerful and mighty. He was the one that was worthy of praise. And if we're going to be like Daniel, we need to be men and women of a grateful heart. Men and women who give praise and glory to God, who recognize every good and perfect gift I have. It hasn't come because of my merit. It hasn't come because of my effort. It's come because God's been good to me. Has He been good to you? Amen. Now the background of our story is this. King Nebuchadnezzar, the ruler of the Babylonian Empire, He had been on his throne for approximately two years he's been in his reign, and he was at the top of things. He was new, but he had secured his control over the empire. His throne was secure. His enemies had been subdued, yet he can't sleep. He's got royal insomnia. He dreams a dream, and the dream so troubles him. It so so, um, frightens him that he cannot sleep. And no one in the palace can interpret his dream for him. Now, it's a remarkable dream. It's remarkable how the living God gives a powerful dream to a pagan ruler. The living God, who this ruler did not serve, yet God can speak to anyone. How many knows that? God can speak to those that are running. God can speak to those that are rebelling. God can speak to those that don't want to honor his name. What a God we serve. And God gives this pagan ruler a dream. And the dream reveals God's plan for the ages. What a dream it was. It speaks to the future empires that are to come, one after another. It leads even into the the final triumph of Jesus and His kingdom that will never end but endure forever. Again, it's quite a dream, but the dilemma is this. The king calls in all the wise men, and they can't help him. And that's kind of how man is often. Amen? We have a problem. There's a trial. But a lot of times the doctor doesn't have an answer. A lot of times the counselors run out of counsel. But I'm glad to say this morning there is a God in heaven. There is a God that can heal you. There is a God that can help you. There is a God that can comfort you and others walk out on you. Oh, we serve a good God. Can you say amen? But the dilemma, the king had a dream and now he can't even remember the dream but how it affected him. It brought fear and it was frustrating and agitating. When a king like that got upset, it was dangerous. It was dangerous. The dream and the dilemma and the demand. The king is angry. And he demands of the wise men. I mean, that's what he's paying them for. He says, interpret my dream. Describe the particulars to me. Or else. Or else what? Well, death and dismemberment and disgrace. Not necessarily in that order. You know, <laughs> you know, in those days, um, 
Um, in those days, it was a tough career choice to be a wise man. I mean, put it that way. It was a very high risk and reward profession, if you read the scripture here. I mean, they had no union protection. They had no OSHA that was uh, making sure things were safe in the work environment. Now, here goes the decree. After all the excuses of the false and the frauds, the king finally says, enough is enough. Just kill them all. Kill them all. We see as the wise men are trying to get out of this, how they confess to the king, king. This is something only deity can do. You're asking something of mortal men that only the gods can accomplish. And now Nebuchadnezzar, the ruler of the worldwide empire, and the rest of his leadership were to be confronted with the undeniable proof that only the God of Israel was the true and the living God. That only the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was the God of all power and might and all wisdom, who can disclose all mysteries. He can do everything, who has no limits and knows no boundaries. He was about to be confronted with the power and the reality and the sovereignty of the living God. What a blessedness it is to know we don't serve the false gods that have ears that cannot hear and hearts that cannot feel, but we serve the living God who loves us and cares for us, who is mighty to save and powerful to to deliver, whose compassions never fail, and His faithfulness is new every morning. Oh, blessed be His name. So we see after God distresses the king, and after God disgraces the wise man, God discloses His secret to His servants. It's a beautiful thing that God discloses His secrets to His servants. You know, there's a TV show on a good number of years ago. I used to watch it. It was called Early Edition. Now, it took place in Chicago, so I liked it. I like Chicago. And it, the, the star of the show would get the next day's newspaper today. And he would read it, and then he'd go out and save the world. You know, he'd find out, you know, so-and-so is going to fall off a ladder and get hit on the head. So he'd make sure he's there and move that ladder, you know. And it's, and it's amazing. It's amazing. Because he had tomorrow's newspaper today, he had information others didn't have. That information steered and directed his day. You know, most of the world around us, they don't have the information that we have. Oh, they haven't received the report that we have, you see. And, and the Christian, we've got an early edition. And God has given us this early edition that we can function in today's light of what we know about God's plan in the future. You see, early edition, because of what we know, it motivates and affects the way we live. Oh, it's a beautiful thing from our, from our hope to our holiness, from our sacrifice to our service. Because of what we know, it affects the way we live. Because God has revealed the secrets of the future to His people, it affects how I live in the present. Because I know Jesus is coming again, and I shall stand before Him, and I will be held accountable to Him. Therefore, it motivates, it energizes, it directs the way I live in the here and the now. How about you? So the king finally had enough. He said, just kill them all. We'll raise up a new crop of wise men. Tough to be a wise man. But in comes Daniel. In comes Daniel. 
You see, in verses 13 through 16, Daniel comes in. Here's Daniel's problem. See, Daniel, as we said last time, he's just a teenager. He wasn't in on this. He wasn't there. He doesn't know what's going on, but, but he, he's, his goose is cooked also. He's getting ready to, um, to lose his head. So there's the problem. Daniel is under the same decree, even though he had nothing to do with the problem. So here's the problem. But here's Daniel's poise. Daniel's poise. And we said this again last time. We can be men and women of faith, but we don't have to be abrasive and ugly in the world. We can be men and women that draw the line where God draws the line, but we don't have to be ugly about it. We can walk in the sweetness and in the gentleness of the Spirit, but still be strong and firm in our convictions. So as you see, Daniel comes in, and he's just a young man, just a teenager, but he handles this crisis with with wisdom and with tact, with calm and with courtesy. He carries himself properly, so the problem and the poise, and, and, and then he, he persuades, he persuades the guard to let him see the king. And when he sees the king, the king grants him a, a postponement, a postponement of the death sentence. And in this chapter, we will see some good lessons on how to respond and react to crisis, to crisis. Crisis comes. Um, and we can't always avoid it, but we can choose how we respond to it. And we're going to see this in the life of Daniel. Again, one author kind of put it like this. If it's raining outside, you may want it to stop, but you can't control the rain. However, you can't open up an umbrella, and an umbrella might not change the circumstances, but it'll change you and how the circumstances affect you. I can't hinder or stop every situation. I cannot avoid the things that aren't even my fault like Daniel. But I can respond by opening up an umbrella, so to speak, an umbrella of faith in the midst of my storm that shields me, an umbrella of hope that will see me through, an umbrella of the promises of God that will steady me as I walk on. An umbrella of casting that care upon the shoulders of Him that can carry it, relieving me of the crushing weight and the pressure that tries to knock me down. There's something we can do and there is a way that we can respond. We're learning from Daniel. How does the believer respond in time of crisis? What do we do when it's troubles knocking at the door and we don't deserve it? We didn't created but it's there and we can't escape it number one daniel we're going to see daniel's action number two daniel we're going to see daniel's adoration number three daniel we're going to see his advancement it'll take us two weeks to cover this daniel's action we'll see that as daniel will see the power of unified prayer the power of unified prayer daniel's adoration and we'll just be able just to touch that And then we'll pick it up next time. The power of pausing to praise. The power of pausing to praise. And then Daniel's advancement. We will see that God always honors those that honor Him. That God exalts those that trust Him. Number one, Daniel's action. If you would, look again at verse 14. Verse 14. In fact, jump with me to verse 17. Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends. Then verse 18, he urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest 
of the wise men of Babylon. And during the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. And then Daniel praised the God of heaven. We're going to look at Daniel's action. You see, Daniel had confidence that the Lord could do what the false and the counterfeit gods could not do. It's wonderful to know that we have the real thing in the Lord Jesus Christ. That Jesus is alive. That we don't have to look to the horoscopes. We don't have to look to the false hopes of media and Hollywood. But we know the living God. He rules and reigns forevermore. He watches over our going out and our coming in. He holds us in the hollow of His hand, safe and secure. It's good to know we serve the living God. Jesus is alive. He's our shepherd. He's our shield. He's our strength. He said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forget take you so when crisis comes it's good to know we can call on a God that is alive and well caring for us watching over us and willing to help us and carry us through here we go Daniel's action after he courageously goes and gets an audience with the king king gives him some time and then he calls first thing he does he calls together his prayer partners and his friends united prayer of agreement is a powerful thing. United prayer is seen consistently and clearly throughout the pages of God's Word. And it's powerful, and it's effective, and it's productive. The principle, the practice, is, is, is emphasized and honored throughout the Word of God. In time of crisis, Daniel is showing us when crisis comes, it's not time to run for the hills. It's not time to fall apart of the seams or leave your position of of duty. But it's time to seek the Lord until He comes. It's time to um, not merely lean on the arm of flesh, but to draw near to the living God. When you come to the end of your ability... When you don't know what the answer is and it seems like the clock is ticking down, it doesn't mean that God is distant. It doesn't mean that God is disinterested. It doesn't mean that it's time to despair. Rather, it means it's time to gather together with the faithful and lift up your cries to the living God to call on the One that knows your deadline and He's aware of your discouragement in your situation. It's time to draw near to the God who has an ear to hear and a heart that cares to call on the one that is a mighty arm that is willing to reach into your life and make a way where there seems to be no way. I want someone to hear the word of the Lord this morning. Faithful one, fear not. The Lord has heard your cry. Faithful one, don't give up because God is going to bring you through. The Bible says weeping may endure for the night, but joy is coming in the morning. You might be in a season of weeping. It won't last forever. It's going to come to a close. But there's coming a time to rejoice because God is going to bring you through. Don't run. Don't give up hope. Don't give in to the fear. Don't give in to the heaviness of the hour. Instead, look to heaven. Lift up your voice to Him who is altogether lovely. Call on the name of the Lord. He'll hear your cry. He'll answer you. I called unto the Lord and And He heard me out of His holy hill. Throughout the pages of this beautiful story of Daniel, you will see Daniel and his friends are presented as men of prayer and faith. Faith and prayer. 
Men of excellent spirits. Extraordinary spirits. They're far from God's temple. Thousands of miles from their family and their promised land. But they could still lift up their voice to the God of heaven with confidence and claim His promises and expect His answers. And so can you. And so can you. Wherever you're at, wherever life takes you, you can lift up your voice and in that wonderful name of Jesus call upon the Lord who is mighty to save. And He'll draw near to you and He'll embrace you. And He'll carry that burden for you if you'll let Him. You might be away on a trip. You might be in the hospital room. You might be in the courtroom. Wherever life might take you, know that you know every place the believer is. That's a place where an altar can be made. And the name of the Lord can be called upon. And when He hears the cry of His children, His heart will be moved. And His power and grace will be extended towards you. What a God we serve. Daniel's action, when he heard about the crisis, he wasn't looking to escape. He wasn't looking to just get cranky and say, God, why me? I'm a good boy and why is this happening to me? No time for such foolishness. No time for such childish. He knew it was time to gather together the redeemed and call on the name of the Lord. Four things I want you to notice about this prayer. Because not just any prayer will do. Four things about this prayer that was so effective and so powerful. Number one, it was a prayer offered in faith. It was a prayer offered in faith. Daniel knew he was praying to the living God who was fully able to do all things. It's good to know when we call on the Lord, we call upon the one that created the heavens and the earth. We call upon the one that spoke and the worlds came into order. We call upon the one that can raise the dead, that can still the storm. It's wonderful to know we serve the Almighty God. And though our problems might overwhelm us, and though our fears might want to try to captivate us, the Lord, the living God, He is able and He is mighty. And it's Him that we put in our trust and our confidence. You'll see later on in this chapter, when the king says, Daniel, can you interpret dreams? And Daniel says, oh, king. I can interpret dreams. He says, but there is a God in heaven. Oh, I like that. I read that. How often do we do that? We find a situation. We find a problem. I don't have an answer. I don't have the provision. I don't have a strength. But there is a God in heaven. There is a God who is able. There is a God who is willing. I don't have the answer. I don't know what I'm going to do. But I know whom I can call on in my day of trouble. I know who I I can look to in my hour of despair. Jesus, oh, what a friend we have. So here Daniel and his friends, they get down to some um, serious business when they prayed. This is not just superstition. They are not just, now I lay me down to sleep. It might be their last sleep if they don't touch God. I mean, it's not just getting religious, but he and his friends were petitioning God to save them from the king's deadly decree. Reveal to them the mystery of the dream. And while the other astrologers and magicians were looking to the stars, Daniel lifted up his voice to the living God who made the stars. Faith in the living God, that's where it's at. Faith in the one that has all power and all wisdom residing in him. 
And effective prayer for you and I must be prayer offered in faith. Offered in faith. The context of wisdom, when the, the Apostle James is writing to the church, James 1 and 6, in the NIV says, but, but, but when he asks, he or she must believe and not doubt. Well, we need wisdom. We're to pray, not, not just a prayer, but a believing prayer. The King James or the New King James, but let him ask in faith, not doubting. One of the keys, one of the key ingredients of effective prayer, the sees answers, is prayer offered in faith. Believing God. Believing His Word. Believing His power. Hebrews 11.6 Without faith, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that He is. And He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Let's go back with this now. It's very important that if we are to pray prayers that see God's answer come, if we are to pray prayers that are productive and bearing fruit, we learn from Daniel, we learn throughout the Word of God, that prayer must be prayer offered in faith. Faith in God, faith in God's character, faith in God's power, faith in God's love, faith in His Word. Hebrews 11 says, But without faith, without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God, who comes with the burden, who comes with our prayer, who comes with our petition, when we come to God, we must believe that He is. We must believe that God is. God is what? God is able. And God is willing. That God is faithful and God is good. That God is a burden bearer and God is a way maker. That God is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And God is our peace in the midst of our storm. That God is mighty to save and God is worthy of our trust. That God is a rewarder and God is a healer and God is a defender and God is a provider and God is a counselor and God is a comforter and God is a father to them that believe. When we pray, we pray in faith believing. That the God we serve, He is whatever He needs to be to bring His people through and to carry us on. To pray effectively, we must pray in faith. Believe your God. He is able and He is willing and His promises are true. Approach His throne with a confidence and an expectancy. Present your petition with a confidence and an expectancy. He honors such prayers. He's pleased with such prayers. Such prayers bless His heart because they show His children trust Him. His children believe Him. His children are looking to Him and He'll never fail His own. If you would, Hebrews 4 and verse 16. Hebrews 4 and verse Verse 16, this prayer is offered in faith. If we want God to hear an answer, we need to approach Him believing that He's able, believing that He's willing, believing that His Word is true and He cannot lie, believing that His love is from everlasting to everlasting. When we approach, whoever believes, we come to God in our prayer. Let us approach that throne that's called grace. Somebody, it's not a throne of judgment. 
judgment for the child of God. It's not a throne of chastisement for the child of God. If you've received Christ and you are a child of God, that throne is called a throne of grace and it's a throne your heavenly Father implores you to come to, calls you to come to, not with timidity, not with insincerity, not with intimidation, but come with a confidence, come with a boldness so you can receive mercy and find grace to help you in your time of need. God says when times are tough, there's a place where you can go. God says when your heart is hurting, there's a place you can go. God says when the doctor says there is no more hope, there's a place you can go. It's a throne called grace. Your heavenly Father is there. He's waiting for your cry. And as you come, come boldly, come confidently, come believing, and God will give you a miracle. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. We're talking about this prayer that Daniel prayed, but there's ingredients to prayer. Pray in faith, believing. But not only were they praying in faith, they were praying in earnest. Praying in earnest. Praying in earnest. Daniel said and plead to the God of heaven. Plead for mercy. Serious times demand serious prayers. How many know that? Serious times demand serious prayers. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Two Wednesdays ago, we had our kickoff first Wednesday of the year. Prayer and fasting. We had a wonderful group that came out. It was a good crowd. Good crowd. Powerful. You were here. Powerful spirit. Powerful spirit. I started reading and studying for this sermon. And I began to read the situation. I said, man, I bet if death and dismemberment were about there, we would have had a full house. But anyway, that's all. I said, you know, I said, we did. We did pretty good. I said, if the threat of death or dismember, well, we would have had to pay off on folding chairs. Amen. The ushers would have been. But it was a good group. But anyway, anyway, here we go. Earnest, earnest, earnest. This was a matter of life and death. You want God's results mean business when you pray. Be sincere. Be sincere. When you pray, don't just go through the motions. Look at Psalm 62, verse 8. Psalm 62, verse 8. Earnest prayer. David says, trust in Him at all times and pour out your hearts. Pour out your hearts. That's communicating. Pray sincerely. Pray with earnest. Pray like you mean it. Pour out your hearts to God. Pour out your hearts when you pray. An earnest spirit is an important part of effective prayer. And I wish I would have said this, but I believe it was, it was Warren Wearsby. When we talk about being praying in, in earnestness and in, with, with persevering passion, not carnal energy, but spiritual intensity. Spiritual intensity. Now, that's a very real thing in Scripture. Listen to some of the words the Bible uses to describe earnest prayer, sincere prayer. Words like hunger and thirst, words like desire, seek, reach, call, cry, pursue, agonize, wrestle. Again, the Bible gives us so many examples. One of my favorites in the Old Testament is the story in Genesis 32 of Jacob. Most of us remember that, where the patriarch Jacob is wrestling with the angel of the Lord. And the angel says, well, daybreak's come and let me go. And Jacob says, I won't let you go unless you bless me. That's earnest prayer. I mean, the angel of the Lord smote him on the side, broke him. 
And I can just, Jacob just says, I refuse to stop clinging. I refuse to stop crying out. I refuse to stop coming, oh God, until you bless me. You can stretch me if you want to. You can play silent if you desire. But oh God, I need an answer. Oh God, I must see that lost one saved. Oh God, if you don't come through, man doesn't have an answer. I won't let go until you bless me. There's an earnestness. There's a seriousness. Pray like you mean it if you want God to answer like you need it. Come on, say amen. You think of the New Testament of James. When the Apostle James was trying to communicate to that New Testament church the seriousness of uh, uh, praying with earnest, uh, uh, praying with fervency, meaning business when you pray. He used the example of the Old Testament prophet Elijah. James 5, 16b and 17, pretty much the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much, avails much. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman is powerful and effective. I like how one translation said, the energetic, passionate prayers of godly men and women have power to accomplish much. So we see Daniel's prayer was not only a prayer in faith, but it was a prayer with earnest, with seriousness, sincerity, with energy behind it. And God answered that prayer. Number three, his prayer was offered on behalf of mercy. Mercy. On the basis of mercy. This is important. Not our righteousness, not our merit, not our worthiness, but on the basis of His mercy. We come, we have hope, we have confidence. The mercy that God expressed in the Lord Jesus Christ is the mercy we put our faith and we put our confidence in this morning. I come to God not because I deserve anything in myself, but I come on the basis of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name I come. Through the blood that He has shed, I come. Because of Jesus' work and Jesus' worth and Jesus' grace, we come and we ask and we expect and we receive. Most are familiar with John 14 and verse 6. John 14 and verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. But oh, when you come to Jesus, then there is a door of access into the very presence of the living God. And it's not my unworthiness that disqualifies me. It's not my faults and failures that are many that keeps me outside. But I can come as I come through that door of His cross and His blood and His salvation. He has made it access where a fallen sinner like me can draw near to the very holiness of God and receive and be touched and be transformed again and again and again. Now, if you look at yourself, you're always going to hurt when it comes to your prayer life. When you look at yourself, it's always so easy for hell to say, oh my God, look at that. Don't you remember that? We all saw that. you got to be kidding there. And we stop. We stop. We got drawn near. Faith comes alive and all of a sudden, oh, Slewfoot. The Bible says he's an accuser and he's a condemner. Come on, say amen. 
And He doesn't want you drawing near to God. He doesn't want you getting in that throne of grace that's in His presence. That's where there's peace. That's where there's joy. That's where your broken heart can be healed. That's where your troubled mind will find relief in the presence of God. And you can draw near to the living God. And you can be healed. And you can be held. And you can be comforted. And the living God will embrace you. But you can't come in your own merit. You can't come through the ritual of man. It's only through the blood of Jesus. It's only through the cross of Calvary. Jesus said, I am the door. He gives us access into the presence of a good, living, powerful God. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hell doesn't want you drawing near. Because if you're drawing near, that's where your heart will get healed. And the past will finally lose its hold and you'll be free. Doesn't want you drawing near. Because in near, you're going to get a cleansing that no pill can give and no psychiatrist can grant. In the presence of the Lord, there is power to transform a life. In the presence of the Lord is where wounded hearts get healed and troubled minds find relief. Come on, say amen. And hell... If your hell can't keep you from being saved, hell will try to keep you from drawing near again and again because it's in the presence of God. Mighty, sovereign, beautiful, eternal things happen. And how does He try to keep us from that? Condemning us. If He can get me looking at me, then either He deceives me with pride and then God, I can't get near God. I think I am. But the Bible says He resists the proud, so we're just playing head games with ourselves. The pompous don't get near to God. They just think they do. They just think they do. They can't if God resists the proud. Come on. The Bible says He resists the proud. If God gives you a stiff arm, you can't break that stiff arm. Amen? But there is a way. And it's not through my merit. It's not through my worthiness. I remind God all the time, God, I'm just an earthen vessel. Thank God you use earthen vessels. I mean, I'm just a crack pot, as they say. Amen? But, but God, God, you're the treasure. You're the grace. You're the strength. And when I understand the merit of Jesus, nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. I come in the name of Jesus. That means I come in the merit of Jesus. I come through the blood of Jesus. I come because my life has been cleansed. I come because I've received His righteousness. And now I can come before the living God And I can sit at his feet and weep my tears. I can sit at his feet and express my hurt. I can just sit in his presence and allow him to speak to my heart, allow him to encourage me and to touch me. In the presence of God, amazing things happen. And hell will do everything it can to keep you from God's presence. But the Bible says, come, 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 come. Whoever's thirsty, let him come. Let him draw. Let him draw near to me and I'll draw. Come. Because in that presence, your life will never be the same. Number four. Daniel's prayer, which was an effective prayer. Daniel's action when crisis came. Not to give in, not to complain, not to go running away. It was to call the faithful and begin to cry out to the living God. But his prayer had certain aspects about it that we need to see. It was a prayer in faith throughout the Bible. God honors men and women of faith. Prayers get answered when they're prayed in faith. Faith, trusting God. His character, His power, His love, His mercy, His promise. But not only faith, it was a prayer in earnest. Mean business when you pray. Mean business when you pray. That's in the Bible too. Throughout the Word of God. 
Anyone ever shake your hand and feel like a cold fish? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what some prayers are. God, God said, leave me alone. God said, you care more about, you know, what you just watched on TV than seeking me about that problem. You must not care too much about that problem being answered. But when you mean business with God, God will mean business with you. Come on. The fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Not the casual, not the complacent prayer, the fervent prayer. Okay. There was earnestness that came on the basis of mercy. We come on the basis of the mercy we've received through Jesus Christ. And that's a good thing. Because it's so easy for the devil to knock me off course if I'm coming on my own. Because it's so easy for him to show the flaw or to remind me of the failure. Amen? But when I come through Jesus, it's beautiful to know in his righteousness I stand. But Daniel also came with, 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 a, with a pure heart. Because we remember last week's sermon. As a teenage boy, captured and drawn away from home, thrown into a new culture and a new climate, a new atmosphere. But he purposed in his heart not to file himself. He made up his mind. As Christians, we're going to make up our mind how we're going to live this life. How we're going to faithfully serve the Lord, whether we're at the job or at the home in Walmart and private and public. We've got to make up our mind who we serve and how we're going to live. And Daniel did. And he was a man of a pure heart. Because listen, though I come through the basis of Christ's righteousness, I just can't be living sloppy and, and, and carnally and just ignoring clear things that God says is wrong and expect God to jump when I say jump. Let's be honest now. Come on. Anybody? Can we be honest for half a second? Psalm 66 and verse 18. And there's many other verses. I'm winding it down. God is good. Is the Lord good? Dare to be a Daniel. Amen. I will sing that one sometime. Dare to be a Daniel. Amen. The psalmist said, if, if I regard, if I cherish, if I harbor, if I hide iniquity in my heart. That means if I know there's clear sin in there, I know it's sin, and God's dealing with me, God's not listening to me. He hears me, but he don't hear me. Amen? Anyone ever talked to you? You heard them, but you didn't hear them. I heard a noise, but I wasn't listening to what to say, and I just turned you off. You know what I mean? The kid asks you the 15th time for something, man. You don't turn them off at two and a half. You know what I mean? They're still talking. You hear a noise, but you turn off that sound, brother. And the Bible says that if I, if I, if I hide or harbor, if I regard, if I know, if I know that I have unconfessed sin in my heart, clear sin. We're not just playing games, you know, but something really. And God's dealing with it, and I'm not going to repent. To think, to think that's not going to throw a monkey wrench in my life with God? No, 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 no. Daniel had a pure heart. And if we're going to see effective prayer, we've got to have a pure heart. And if there are things that we know that God's been dealing with, the Word of God is very clear, that's wrong. You know what? We need to repent. We need to confess that. That's just Bible. That's just Bible. Amen? That's just Bible. Oh, Hallelujah. Glory to God. In fact, what did Peter say? Wednesday night crowd, you know, we, we've been in First Peter for about a year now. Um, even if those men don't treat the wife right, God says, I won't hear your prayers. So again, God's very clear. God's very clear. Though you come through the blood of Jesus, if your practice is not doing its best to line up with your position, there'll be a hindrance to my working in your life. 
All right, I'm going to close this. I've got to close this. Now, the next week we start right here. Not only Daniel's actions, but Daniel's adoration. The answer comes, and the Bible says Daniel stopped, and he praised the God of heaven. Let me just finish up here. Daniel's adoration. Verse 19, then Daniel praised the God of heaven. He paused and he praised. To the God of dreams and destinies, we give praise this morning. To the God who has come through when no one else or nothing else could do, we give praise this morning. To the God who has carried us, kept us, calmed us through the many storms and battles of this life, we give praise this morning. And the first thing Daniel does, The answer comes. You'd think the first response would be what? Call the king. Tell the king. Hook up the chariot. Get word to the king. Tell the guards. Put that sword back in its sheath. There's going to be no dismemberment today. You would have thought all those answers. But instead, the first thing he does, he praises the Lord. He gives praise to God. He lifts his eyes and his voice to the God of heaven. And he pauses to praise. And it's a beautiful psalm of praise that we'll break down more next week. We'll dig into it next week. But just take this in your thinking. Take this in your thinking. And I am winding it up. Many times, if you don't know this, this, many times the blessings of God are shortened, are hindered, because we fail to pause in praise when the blessing comes. Many times a breakthrough that is right at the door doesn't come through because we fail to praise in faith before an answer comes. Let's not fail in our praise. Let's not forget the praise the one who's been so good to us. Like Daniel, like Daniel. He's bailed us out of some tight spots. He's carried us through some heavy times. He's given us some answers of provision, protection, blessing, in season in and out. Daniel was quick to give glory to God, not to take for granted the blessing of the Lord. And what a beautiful example he is for us. Daniel had a grateful spirit, and that was a mark of an excellent, extraordinary spirit. Daniel's action, he prayed. Daniel's adoration, he praised. So as we come to an altar this morning, If you're in need, come and pray. Come and pray. If you're doing well, then pause and praise before you go. As we open the altar, if if you're in need, come and pray. Pray in faith. Pray in earnest. Pray in the name of Jesus. Trusting His promise. Believing His Word. Let Him touch you. Let Him move in your life. If you're doing well, well, before you leave, Just pause and praise and thank God for the blessing. Don't forget the source of every good and perfect gift. And then go on and serve the Lord with all your heart. If you would, stand with me, please, as we pray our final prayer and sing our final song. As we sing our final song, we'll open the altars as we always do. And if you need prayer, if you need prayer, someone will pray with you if you'll come down. If you just want to come and pray. Then you can come to the altar and just spend time calling on the Lord. But Daniel's our example. 
We're studying and learning and gleaning from the life of this man of faith, this man that God so honored. We've seen so far that Daniel was a man of integrity. God help us to be men and women of integrity. But secondly, Daniel was a man of a grateful spirit. He was quick to give glory and praise to God. And we've seen Daniel as a man of powerful prayer, passionate praise. If you are in need this morning, Jesus is alive. He's doing today what he did yesterday. He'll touch you if you come to him. He'll work in your life if you let him. If you need a prayer, when we begin to sing, make your way down. And someone will pray with you. We'll believe God together. If you're here and you say, Pastor, I'm doing pretty good. Well, praise God. Then before you leave, just sing the song one time through and just thank the Lord. Give him praise. The God of heaven, who's brought you through and been so good. Don't ignore him. Don't forget him. Just take some time. Give him a couple minutes. And just praise him. And just honor him. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the encouragement, the strength, the comfort that's come through your word. We thank you, Lord, that through the pages of your word and the examples of men and women of faith in the scripture, you give us examples, you give us instruction, encouragement of how we can live this life victoriously. Father, we thank you for this example from Daniel's life. We thank you that you are God that hears and answers prayer. We thank you, Lord, that there is a throne called grace that we can come to and cast our burdens on your shoulders. Present our needs before your throne and receive your touch and receive your help. Father, right now, as we open this altar, we're going to draw near to the living God. We will draw near to your throne of grace. We will bring to you our petitions. We will bring to you our burdens. We will bring to you that thing that we're facing and we just don't know what to do, but we're going to bring it in faith. We're going to come to you knowing you're the living God and you can do it. We're going to come believing, trusting your word is true and your promises do not lie. We're going to come expecting that you will hear us and you will answer us and you will work your good work in us. Then, Lord, we will pause and we will praise because you have been so very good to us. Where would we be had it been for the goodness of God? Father, in the name of Jesus, bless this time at the altar. Stretch forth your hand of power, O God. Heal the hurting. Refresh the weary and part fresh grace to the seeking. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, let's worship the Lord. If you need to pray or if you need prayer, come and receive.